At LensCrafters, we value expertly tailored eye care, provide state-of-the-art eye exams, offer a wide assortment of designer brands and high-quality lenses, because everything we do at LensCrafters is for every sight that makes your life special. We offer 50% off lenses with frame purchase, shop in-store and online. Book your annual eye exam now on LensCrafters.com. LensCrafters, because sight. Eye exams are available at the Independent Doctor of Optometry at or next to LensCrafters. Doctors in some states are employed by LensCrafters. Offer valid to April 2nd, 2023. See associate for details. You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode number 107 of Red Leg Nation Radio. I'm Chad Dotson. With me again, uh, our good buddy, Joel Luckup. How you doing today, Joel? I, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Except- I don't have anything interesting to say at this point. So, <laughs> oh, well, we'll work on that because uh, we got some time to fill here. We're gonna need some. Oh, oh of- man, that's right. People are listening because they want to hear interesting stuff. Uh oh. <laughs> and we know they're not getting in any of that interesting uh, stuff from me. So uh, the pressure's on, big guy. Or, or to be honest, they're not getting any of it from the Reds either. <laughs> oh, not not much interesting going on right now, is there? It's really uh, maybe I don't know if it's like this every spring. Perhaps it is. Just everything seems quiet this year. Yeah, yeah, it's um you know and the thing about spring training, you know, especially from like a a stat head perspective is like uh there there's nothing interesting in the games because you really just can't believe anything that you see in the games um you know more or less and and then so uh, what do you do after that if there's not really any news? Well, especially because this year seems like more than in in most years there really aren't very many position battles right. or uh, you know the 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 pitching staff set the uh, starting lineup is basically set and so you're looking at you know maybe a bench spot or two who's going to get that and maybe the last spot in the bullpen but really it's there there aren't any uh, you know competitions going on out there to give us something to uh, pontificate about. Uh, you know, and, and no Chapman uh, to the to the bull, or Chapman to the uh, rotation uh, talk this year. So, uh, what do we talk about? I know. Well, you know, there's always that one guy who likes to chime. He likes to make news about himself, even when he's claiming that he's trying not to make any news about himself. You're, um, you're talking about me, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> no. That's, I you know I you know this is where I bring up the you know Judge Chad Dotson uh, putting himself in the news <laughs> exactly exactly trying to uh, make the news rather than uh, report it yeah what are you the the advocate judge that's what they used to call that's right yeah yes yeah <laughs> we got to quit uh, pointing these uh, activist judges who activists uh, want, that's what there it is. you go that's yeah. The word. yeah who want to uh, impose their uh, will on uh, on yes. this public instead of uh, just uh, interpreting the law. Um, right. No, we've got a second baseman that it continues to be in the news, uh, even though he's not, uh, he hasn't been traded and uh, doesn't appear to be very many uh, or any trade talks going on. And uh, he's the starting second baseman coming off a gold glove season. Uh, you know, why is Brandon Phillips so unhappy? Well, I mean, I think, I think some of it is that um, he wants to be out in the public, uh, but he has a hard time. Uh, feeling the negative as well, and I and I hate to be an armchair psychologist, so I'm going to just leave it at that. But that's what it feels like to me that he's somebody who um, cannot 
he, he can't resist that temptation of being out there because he, I mean, he likes, he's a gregarious personality and he wants the fans and he loves the fans. And that's what, one of the things that drives him. Um, but the trade off on that is that you're going to hear a lot more negative possibly than, or, you know, perhaps than you would otherwise. And a lot of that negative kind of feeds uh, both ways through the media. And, and I think it's just gotten to the point that he, he can't take it anymore, um, you know, for good or bad. I mean, it's uh, maybe he's too sensitive and maybe he's properly sensitive. Um, you know, I'm not going to try not to judge him too much, uh, you know, from a fan's perspective or from my perspective, from what I um, how I like to enjoy the game. It to me, it seems a little bit whiny. Uh, but I kind of understand his perspective as well that he had to go through all of the, you know, that off season of um, a lot of people saying he should be traded or he can't be traded because nobody wants him and, or, um, you know, he's caused all of these problems or blah, 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 whatever. And, you know, it, it can't feel good just from a, you know, a human perspective. It can't feel good to have people saying that kind of stuff about you, no matter what your ego is. If you've got a strong ego or a weak ego, it can't feel good to have that kind of conversation going on about you. Well, he loves to be loved is the way I would put it. And, you know, I guess we all do, but um, he's probably a little too sensitive. But, you know, look at it from a different perspective. His biggest complaint recently, uh, he's got a number of complaints, but his uh, biggest complaint that I've read recently was that he was hurt all last year and, and, and nobody wrote about that uh, when talking about how he uh, his numbers were off last year. And you and I discussed that the last time we talked a couple weeks ago, actually, as uh, trying to be optimistic, a, a possible reason why we might be hopeful that he improves on his uh, numbers rather than it just mm-hmm. being this steep decline because, you know, he clearly was hurt. And from, mm-hmm. his, from his perspective, I can kind of see, you know, here's this guy, Cincinnati, this blue-collar town, and I always love these blue-collar guys that – uh, you know, the Sabos and et cetera. And Brandon Phillips, in his own head, I can see how he could say, listen, I, I didn't ask out of the lineup. I went out there and played hurt and busted my tail for this team and for this city all year long last year. And you know what? I had 100 RBIs and got a gold glove. So mm-hmm. so why why aren't, uh, you know, why isn't the love just uh, raining down, showering upon me? Over that, uh, why would anybody criticize that? Because I've given my heart and soul to this team, and, and you know, playing hurt, uh, you know, there's there's probably something to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it from his perspective, um, you know, it, it probably, you know, you can see you can see this path that he sees. You know his perspective of right. what he sees, how things are, and how perhaps uh, it feels weird to him or or unjustified to him to see some of this criticism that he's receiving. Yeah, and you know, I uh, and again, a lot of it we're talking about looking at it from his perspective because mm-hmm. you, you you know, you flip the coin there and, and John Fay, of course, now Brandon Phillips if you haven't been following uh, what's been going on, it's not talking into the local uh, the local beat writers, uh, primarily uh John Fay and Trent Rosecrans of the Inquirer, Mark Sheldon with uh, mlb.com. Uh, and I guess probably Hal McCoy. Um uh, so uh, he says because last year, one of the reasons is last year they didn't write, they didn't write about me being hurt when they were talking about me declining. Well, John Fay, prop, and, and we love John Fay. He's been on the podcast uh, a number of times. Um, and is just a, a quality, uh, a quality guy. But he he got a little defensive this week, 
and, and basically said, wait a minute, let's go back in the archives and look. And, you know, Every time we wrote about Phillips declining or Phillips struggling in the Enquirer, we always talked about him being hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a what an interesting dynamic between the, the beat writers and uh, one of the stars of this team. Right. And, uh, and it's... Um it, from you know, for me, I, I am definitely on the side of I think that the wrist really uh, hurt him some last year. Now, um, how much is hard to say, but there's a clear delineation be- from the time where he got hit in the wrist till the end of the season. Now, he was probably going to have some regression naturally anyway because he was just he was playing above his established level up until that point uh, but it was much steeper of a regression than I think we probably should have expected and I've even said on Twitter this week that um, I think if you look at his last three years it looks like a serious decline you know he had an uh, OPS plus of 118 in 2011 it was down to 99 last year it was 90 or two years ago it was 92 last year and when you look at those numbers or you look at any variation of the, uh, of the numbers it really looks like he's on a steep decline however that 118 was way out of you know that right. was a, a freak season as well and you know up until that point he was really right around 100 every year you know 103 102 99 around in that area and i think that it's reasonable to say that yes he may be on a, a, a decline but the slope of that decline is not indicative of what we've seen in the in terms of the decline from the last three seasons i think it's more likely that he is going to be um, you know, put your OPS plus around you know ninety five to ninety nine. Then you know it's going to be closer to that than it is going to be to ninety. Uh, you know, so I, I'm not I'm not too worried about what he's going to bring to the team this year. I, and I and I've been on the record many times that I say I, I think he's still a two and a half win player at least. He may even sneak in a three win season there. I'm not. Um, I'm I'm definitely not that worried about his production going into the season. Yeah, he's not, he's not the guy that you're worried about when talking about whether the Reds' offense is going to struggle, I don't think. Because I believe, uh, and, and I wasn't convinced of this until we talked uh, recently, and I think you've uh, pretty much won me over. Um, I think that uh, he's a pretty good candidate at this point to, uh, I guess what I would say is, arrest that decline. You know, to stop, to have a sort of a bounce-back season, and, and rather than declining, have his numbers bounce back a little bit the the injury maybe it's i don't know maybe some people think it's an excuse but it seems reasonable to me and 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 i'd give him the benefit of the doubt he was the guy that was hurting and he's the one that's telling us about it um but yeah if you're expecting him to be that guy with a 118 ops plus you're going to be disappointed for the rest of his career he's not going to be that guy and he really wasn't that guy that year um that was a bit of an anomaly and uh, a, a great season so Right. You know what's funny is going into that 2011 season, uh, we had done that Maple Street Press preseason magazine that year. And in that uh, Maple Street Press, there was an article talking about the consistency of Brandon Phillips, how he had essentially been the same player every year. Outside, you know, outside of 2007 was a little bit of a peak, um, but you know, every year since being with the Reds, he had been basically the same offensive player every year. And then he went out that 2011 and put up the the best season of his career. Um, and uh, I think maybe that might have 
pushed expectations up a little bit about who he is as a player. I think he's his offensive level is more like what he did in 2012, which was a fine season. I mean, 281, sure. 321 on base percentage, 429 slugging. Yeah, you'd like those numbers to be a little bit higher, but for a Gold Glove second baseman, it's still you know that I'd be very happy if he came out and did something like that again this year. Um, and and I think it is justifiable to say, okay, look. 100 RBIs aside, your numbers were not as good last year as the level you had established. Even even if you um, dock 2011 some for saying that it was a peak year, last year was not as good. Now, it could have been because of the wrist. That's fine. But uh, you have to acknowledge that last season was not as good, and you're hoping for a bounce back. You're not saying that, okay, I think this guy is going, you know, you, it, if he does come back and do what he had done at his previous level, it certainly is a bounce back. Well, he would argue that he's uh, declining. How the blank am I declining? Right. Uh, you know, he said in the uh, – so he actually said that twice. And then yep. and then followed that up with, come on, man. Uh, I, <laughs> I can hear him saying it. Um, I've always been the guy that, uh, when it came to Brandon Phillips, I've always said, give me average offensive production out of this guy. When you, when you combine that with the gold glove defense, you've got a valuable player. Um and if he can get somewhere close to average offensively this year, he's going to be he'll help this team. Um, and I think there's a chance he can do that. The the question I guess that I have, um, and there's no way we can answer this. And so everything that that you and I are getting ready to say on this point is just well, I probably need to edit it out after we're finished. But <laughs> um, it, 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 will this affect the clubhouse? How will this uh, ongoing uh, drama? He he sort of uh, you know he didn't do Reds Fest. He didn't do the caravan. He. Well, he did. He did. He did. He did uh, Reds Fest. He didn't do the caravan. Right, right, right. That's why he did show up for Reds. He, I didn't think he was going to, but I guess he did show up for Reds Fest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he did not do the caravan, and he's always been the featured uh, featured contributor sort of uh, on that caravan. He uh, very open about, I think, being hurt, that uh, he was uh, shopped around, and now he feels like the, even if it's uh, unjustified, he feels like the, the beat writers are taking it out on him. Um, mm-hmm. Is this something that's going to linger? You know, again, I I don't know if it will or not, but it's something that bears watching, in my opinion. I guess is the way I'd put it. Yeah, you know, and it's probably the biggest challenge, at least uh, early on, for Brian Price. Uh, you know, establishing himself within the clubhouse. Um, you know, as as the as the primary voice within the clubhouse is how he manages this situation because you know we talked about it in the last podcast about the 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 difference between um you know the shift in public persona between uh Joey Votto and Brandon Phillips and you know as as much as you would like to think that that's not really going to affect the attitude within the clubhouse they both have large egos and they both are going to be sensitive and uh, you know even if just a little bit one way or the other um to how each person each of the, each other is perceived and um you know is that going to cause some tension if Joey starts winning over some of the fans as being a you know a fan or you know a fan friendly or more accessible player and starts you know encroaching in on kind of what that role was for Brandon you know how how is Brandon going to handle that um you know those those little things those little things are the kinds of things that if they're not winning they they could turn into big things so um you know like we said last time hopefully they'll come out and you know go 18 and 7 in the first month or something like that right and these things will drift off into the background Brian Price mm-hmm. Brian Price has a tough job 
early on uh, managing all this. And uh, you know, I guess you just uh, you hope the best case scenario is that he's able to manage the uh, the egos as well as possible, and that br- that uh, Brandon Phillips is so motivated that he comes out and is uh, has a great season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't know. I expect him. I expect him to be. Uh, I don't expect him to be the problem with this offense. I guess I'll say that. Put it that way. Yeah, you know, he's um, the hardest part with Brandon has always been that he's had to play a role maybe that he hasn't been best suited for. Yeah, I think Dusty put him in a really not a didn't do him any favors by hitting him clean up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think he may end up there a few times this year as well, depending on. Um, how somebody like Ryan Ludwig will end up hitting, or, or Todd Frazier, if they can, if they can't find another right-handed bat that's going to fill in that middle of the lineup role, who's, you know, what's going to happen? So, well, you mentioned Ludwig, and he's the guy that I, I guess, if you had to ask, who are you most concerned about uh, in terms of the the starting eight uh, for the Reds? Ludwig's the guy I want to watch, um, and, and I just, I've got an idea of who he's going to be, uh, which worries me. Uh, because you know, other than the the one really really good year, frankly, uh, 2012 for the Reds, which was an outstanding season, um, he's not had a particularly good year since what? Really, a good not a good year since 2008. He's been you know 2009 2010 were maybe slightly above average, and so uh, you know you're talking about a guy at his age. The Reds are counting on to be a middle of the order guy. Yeah, 35 years old going to be 36 this year are there reasons to be optimistic about ryan ludwig i'm, I'm searching for reasons to be optimistic about ryan ludwig and, and i'm right now i'm looking to you to provide some of those reasons are you, are you prepared to do that i'm not i'm not pessimistic i am um i'm not optimistic about ludwig but i'll i'll give you uh one a, a couple numbers here um 250 313 374 that's what Reds left fielders hit last year. Uh, yes, it, it's it's gross. I mean, it it really is gross. And uh, that OPS for left fielders was um, four. It was twelfth in the National League. Uh, the the three that are behind them are San Diego, Miami, and San Francisco, all of whom play in huge ballparks. Uh, the Reds' left fielders last year hit a total of 14 home runs, which um, was tied for 10th. Uh, there were only three teams that had fewer, and that was Los Angeles, Miami, and San Francisco. Again, teams that play in very large parks. Uh, if there is going to be an improvement I think that you can say that left field is probably a good candidate for improvement. Um, I think that Ludwig can improve on those numbers. I mean, I think he can get back to, uh, you know, worst case scenario, I think he's back to his 2011 season, which wasn't that great, 237, 310, 363. Uh, but that was also in two, two good pitcher parks, uh, San Diego and Pittsburgh. Um where he, but he had a 90 OPS plus. I, I I wouldn't be happy with a 90 OPS plus, but it's certainly an improvement over what the Reds got out of left field last year, and definitely over what Ludwig put up last year, which was a 70 OPS plus. Um, right now, I'm my optimistic goal is probably you know 25 doubles, 15 home runs, uh, maybe a 320 on base percentage. I think if he can do that, um, 
they'll be in decent shape, especially if uh, if Chris Heisey is coming along or, or you know whoever is the extra outfielder that's playing left field too, which is probably Chris Heisey. If Chris Heisey can um, put up some some decent numbers in that same realm, uh, you know, if they're both doing that, it's an improvement. And if right now that's all we're really hoping for. You know, they, they, we got to remember, they were a 90-win team last year. We're not asking for major improvements across the board. We're not hoping for major improvements across the board. But if you get, you know, little improvements um, at, at a few of the different positions, you know, second base and left field and, you know, maybe maybe third base or shortstop or, or whatever, you're going to be able to make up for some of that loss that came from losing chew that you're going to get that fall off that that fall off that's nearly inevitable to um, to Billy Hamilton regardless of how well Hamilton plays it's just pretty much unlikely that he's going to be able to match what you got from chew last year given most specifically because Hamilton's still a rookie and he's still going to have his growing pains sure yeah that's that's unreasonable to expect him to replace that but you know I was asking you for a reason to be optimistic and you provided it uh I, that's not unreasonable for you know I don't expect Ludwig to be great but to think he and Heisey could uh you know Heisey had with the injury and uh, had some unfortunate uh had an unfortunate season last year there's reason to believe they could improve upon what left fielders did while still may not be good uh still could be uh you know I guess well just an improvement we'll I'll say that but Ludwig of course another guy who is uh apparently according to uh, an article by uh Mark Sheldon this weekend, a little bit disgruntled as well with uh, with the writers. Uh, I don't know why all the players on the team can't just be gruntled. Why, <laughs> why do we have to have some that are disgruntled? Uh, he said, let me just read his quote. Uh, he said, I did not have my power last year. Uh, he's talking about after he came back from the injury. I hit two home runs and 129 at-bats. You guys don't know. You guys aren't professional athletes. You never had shoulder surgery or rehab for four months. If you don't lift a weight, how are you going to have power? All you had to do was add two plus two, you know. So but then he goes on to say, "I'm strong right now. I lifted all off season. I got a completely different body. You guys make what you want of it. I feel like it's a broken record right now. We keep talking about it. Um, wow, <laughs> that seems a little ultra sensitive to me. I mean, it's I don't remember anybody burying Ryan Ludwig last year. I think everybody was sympathetic to his situation." But you still have to admit that the situation was what it was, right? Right. He he put up the numbers we saw. I mean, it is what it is. Right. Right. So I mean, it's I don't know. Well, he, you know, he he got buried last year for some quotes that were uh, taken as uh, I guess a not an attack necessarily, but uncomplimentary of Cincinnati fans uh, at the end of the season, the last week when everything went wrong for the Reds. And I don't know. Maybe he's still sensitive over the criticism he got for that and. Um, he's another guy though that, uh, you know, I don't know what to expect out of this guy. No, I don't either. And, uh, he's, he's one of those guys that, um, you know, Brandon Phillips might have a better chance of getting away with, uh, you know, having trouble or, or complaining in the media. Uh, Ludwig is not is not established as a beloved player yet. So he, he really needs to probably kind of just shut his mouth and play. That's probably good advice. Yeah. That, and that's what I said actually last October, September, October, when he made those comments, right. I, I basically said, listen, and you, you mentioned Brandon Phillips. He's a guy that's established himself as a, a Cincinnati guy, as a, you know, real, uh, 
fan favorite. Ludwig is a guy who you could see 10 years from now, he's going to events in St. Louis as a former, former Cardinal, you know, and showing up for their, uh, you know, uh, you know, Hall of Fame events, things like that. Um, he's probably not going to want to uh, – it takes a lot, I guess, to erase that Cardinal stain <laughs> in a lot of Reds in a lot of Reds fans' eyes. But uh, really just – Well, being- I mean, especially because he's only really put up, you know, maybe two good months um, with the Reds. You know, he, he had a – you know, he was really important to the success in 2012, and I'm not, I'm not denying that. But, you know, um, Brandon Phillips has been here since 2006, so he's, he's got his own little fan base. Um, and, you know, he's got some pull with that fan base, which is obvious by, uh, you know, some of the responses that you see on Twitter whenever he gets criticized, which um, is irrelevant to the point here. But uh, Ludwig, you know, he, he perhaps he's an, a leader within the clubhouse, but he has not established himself as a leader um, outside of the clubhouse, as a face of the organization that should be the kind of player that's stepping up and, and you know, making these criticisms of fans and making these uh, criticisms of the media. It, it sounds petty from somebody that we're not used to, you know, really hearing the voice of, if you, you know. Yeah, I guess so, definitely. And, well, you mentioned Twitter, the Red Leg Nation Twitter account. Uh you say anything about Brandon Phillips that's less than complimentary, and you'll get dozens of responses saying, leave him alone, leave him alone. Uh, Ludwig, you'll get dozens of responses. Well, you won't get any responses, or you'll get responses saying, yeah, what about that guy? He's a cardinal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Best case scenario with him is that he uh, improves. He's not going to be as good as he was in 2012. I don't think anyone can expect that. But, you know, if he can get somewhere close to a 100 OPS plus, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be dancing in the aisles at Great American Ballpark. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's the improvement over last year. So anywhere you can find that improvement, because you're going to have some guys that are going to fall off. It's just you know natural attrition. So anywhere you can find that improvement and you can get that improvement uh, is definitely a benefit to kind of balance out the losses that you that you're going to have too. Yep. So we're hopeful that uh, Ludwig left field is one of those spots where we can. Uh, I guess improve a little bit over what we saw last year out of a tw- out of a ninety win team. So mm-hmm. we're not we're not talking about we got to have these drastic improvements, uh, you know, to get from eighty wins to ninety. So we're looking for to go from ninety wins to a hundred. Um, well, should we be? And there are a couple other players we can talk about, but I think more interesting right now is this question. Uh, are we ready to panic over the fact that the Reds are four and nine? in spring training. I'm ready to call it a season. I'm I'm terrified. Clearly this means that Brian Price doesn't know what he's doing and and we're in for a long season. Now, uh, obviously that's sarcasm, but there are people out there who are saying exactly that, as irrational as it sounds. It's been a pretty rough spring, but are there any reasons we should care about that? No. I, I do not, especially, I, I do not believe that you should care about the first two, maybe three weeks of spring training. Um, you know, if that, that last week uh, they're looking really fat, flat, uh, which obviously we don't get to see them all that often, so who, you know, who knows. But um, then maybe you can be a little concerned about how they're going to come into the season. But at this point, so many players, I mean, so many players use spring for so many different reasons. And like you said, there aren't any competitions going on except for maybe, you know, who's going to fill Jack Hanahan's spot if he's injured. And, and you know, woo, that's exciting. <laughs> um, so, you know, you're, you're looking 
the main concerns are guys that are coming off of injuries. You're looking to see how uh, they're performing. Um, otherwise, you know, guys like uh, Votto or guys, you know, Phillips or whatever. Those guys, they have their own routines. They're they're up there. They're when they're batting, they're not batting to drive in runs. They're not batting to see um, if they can. Uh, uh, you know, imagine this situation in a game. Well, I mean, they might be doing that a little bit, but you know, they're up there saying to themselves, "Okay, I'm looking for one ball, you know, one pitch in this specific zone, and I'm going to take it the other way, and that's all I'm looking for in this at bat." And you know, that's what their focus is. Their their focus is not, you know, trying to pretend that they're playing real baseball. They're just, you know, lucky enough that they get to play against real, you know, live competition who's also trying to work on stuff and also trying to figure out what they're, you know, what works for them. So I, I'm just not worried about it. And then the other thing, too, is that, you know, innings six through nine at this point are still, uh, you know, guys that have no chance of playing in AAA even. You know, they're guys that you're not going to see all that much. Um, you can't just – you can't put any stock into those numbers, I don't believe. I feel like we have to say it every year around this time, but it's inevitable. Uh, you know, March, beginning of March, mid-March comes around, and John Fay, you see him on Twitter because he engages some of these people. But uh, you'll you'll see the questions: Should we? Is it time to panic yet? Should we? Should we be worried? That's how that's how all these tweets start. Should we be worried that XXX? Yeah, the Reds are four and nine, but you know who has has? Let me tell you some teams that have a worse record in spring uh, than the Reds right now: Atlanta Braves, who are expected to be good again; Texas Rangers, expected to be good again. Defending world champion Boston Red Sox, St. Louis Cardinals. All those teams have worse records than the Reds out in the Grapefruit League. I, who cares? I, I can't believe anyone even uh, even looks at the standings. As a matter of fact, I hadn't looked at the standings until I pulled them up just to, so that I could. Uh, uh, so that you could complain about them? Ex- basically, yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, well, in you know, 2013, the Reds were 13 and 20. The Pirates were 13 and 18. The Dodgers were 13 and 20. None of the, I mean, obviously that did not have any bearing on what happened in this season. 2011, uh, what the Reds were 15 and 17. Washington was 12 and 17. They both won over 97 games. So, I mean, it's, there's just no, no meaning in those numbers. Um, it's, you know, 2011, the Reds were 17 and 14. They weren't particularly good that season. Um, it's just 12 and six. I mean, I can see, it's almost like there's an inverse, an inverse right. uh, uh, correlation between what happens in spring training and what happens in the regular season. So, uh, if if anything, that may be a good sign. Yeah, there um, you go. Yeah, <laughs> clearly the Reds are at least a wild card team right now. Then uh, under that scenario, um, yeah, yeah. So the next time someone you hear someone complaining about it, just tell them I said to shut up. Um, <laughs> Actually, let's not do that. But uh, uh, go ahead. Dotson, Dotson C at Dotson C. That's go ahead right. and tell them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, he said to shut up. Um, no, obviously the interesting thing about spring train, to the extent that there is anything interesting going on, and there's you know, obviously not much in this camp as we've already discussed, but it's the individuals and and, and a couple of guys are well. We got Latos who's coming back from this injury, um, and look, things are. Proceeding, uh, proceeding well. Looks like he could be back very early in the season. Um, but the two guys that I think are sort of uh, 
an interesting, uh, com not really a comparison, but they're both going to be uh, important members of the bullpen and who are still sort of working back into playing shape. Jonathan Broxton. Uh, and, and, I just like yeah. that. Any, any, re any reference to playing shape and Jonathan Broxton is just funny to me. And yeah. I'm sorry. I know he's, he's a much better athlete than I'll ever be, but still, he's a huge dude. Yeah, I didn't intend that, but uh, as soon as I said it, I, I thought, oh, gosh, Jonathan Broxton's probably never been in playing shape uh, at 300-plus pounds. But Broxton and, and Sean Marshall. Sean Marshall, of course, is one of my favorites, and he's a guy that I'm really hoping can get healthy and stay healthy because that guy is – he gets a little bit of a hard time because when he was the closer for a few weeks, uh, people thought he didn't perform as well as he should have. Uh, but this guy has been incredible since really, you know, 2009, 2010. And I don't think Reds fans really realize what a talented pitcher they've got because he can't stay healthy. Mm -hmm. And and – and of course, Broxton. I, I'm less optimistic about Broxton. But Brian Price had some, uh, you know, pleasant words to say about him. Some complimentary words. Uh, which what's he going to say? Anything other than that? But uh, you know, if the if those two guys don't get get healthy and get back, and I don't know if we, how much we want Broxton in the bullpen, but we're talking about guys like uh, Logan Andrusek again, play, pitching important innings in that bullpen. So. My opinion is it's pretty important to get especially Sean Marshall back. Uh, well, I, I mean, I honestly think it's important to get both of them back and not um, not necessarily because of what they'll provide. Although, I mean, I, I'm a little more optimistic about Broxton than, than you sound or sounds like you are. Um, but what they do, I mean, the, the big thing with bullpens is always the chaining effect. Okay, when you put uh, somebody further who's further qualified to be in the back end of a bullpen um, than, say, you know, perhaps a Logan Andrusek or whoever, when you put one of those guys in there, it moves everybody. It improves every inning up until that point as well. Um, and so having those guys gives more flexibility and it also gives more flexibility to somebody like Araldus Chapman. You know, if, if, um, I know that he's the closer for instance, but, uh, if a situation arises where Brian Price has to bring in Chapman in a tie game in the eighth inning, um, and you know, then maybe Chapman pitches the ninth, he can still do it with confidence knowing that he's got somebody like Marshall or somebody like Broxton who can pitch that, that closing inning in the, in extra innings or somebody who's, you know, a little more comfortable, um, with that. So, I mean, they're both good relievers. They, you know, maybe Broxton's not as good as he once was, but they're still both pretty good relievers and, uh, having those guys in the bullpen, um, they can, you know, get outs and get outs in in ways that are important for relievers that maybe aren't as important for starters, and that's you know via the strikeout, um, you know, really makes a a huge difference just in kind of the flexibility of the bullpen altogether. Well, I'm not at all optimistic about Jonathan Broxton, but he is better than Logan Andrusek, likely to be better than Logan Andrusek this year. So, um, so yeah, you're right. He does have some value to the bullpen. He's still a legitimate major league reliever. I just worry about when. Araldus Chapman goes down, and Broxton uh, is the closer all of a sudden. Um, although we're hoping Araldus Chapman doesn't go down. But now Sean Marshall is the guy who I've been beating the drum for him as closer anyway uh, because I've been trying to get uh, people interested in the idea of moving Araldus Chapman to the rotation, which has got no traction. <laughs> um, You're that guy. <laughs> I'm that uh -huh. guy, yes. 
And uh, for whatever reason, the Reds management has not listened to me, and I'm a little I'm a little upset about it. Um, although I'm frankly used to people ignoring everything I say, but but, <laughs> but Marshall's a guy who's a shutdown reliever, as far as I'm concerned. He's not a, a loogie, a lefty one out guy, as uh, he's been used occasionally in the past. I'm hopeful that if he's healthy, Brian Price uh, won't use him in that. We won't know until won't use him in that role. But obviously, we don't know whether he will or we won't until we actually see. But uh, Marshall has put together a string of seasons that are just outstanding. And I just uh, – but, you know, the flip side of there is I'm really concerned. He has you – know, Well, he, I, it's he's the – it's those Nick Massett wounds are still a little tender. Yes, there you go. Uh, and And it's – you know, you have that fear that, oh, man, is he going to be another guy that's going to just kind of linger and, you know, maybe he pitches an inning here or there and then gets hurt again. Well, we're yeah, we we're we're deep into spring training now, and he's still his shoulder, you know, was the issue. He's just playing catch right now. He's not still not throwing off the mound, and uh, you know, Brian Price said something to the effect of that he had, didn't get out of the gates the way we wanted him to, and we're hoping that there's no more setbacks. But man, it just seems like it's setback after setback for that guy. And I hadn't uh, made the Nick Massett comparison, but that's a good comparison. Although Marshall is much more talented, than Ma- well, not much more. Massett at his best was pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, Marshall, uh, a talented guy, but it's the same thing. It seems like uh, just when you think he's getting ready to come back, oh, there's a setback. And uh, you know, I'm, I guess, I guess uh, if I were going to send John Fay a tweet saying, uh, "Should we be worried?" I'd say, "Should we be worried about Sean Marshall?" Because I don't know. I'm, I have a difficult time being optimistic about him getting back, and I really feel like he is the key to the Reds having an outstanding bullpen rather than maybe a a good one or, or worse. Right, and I I agree with that. It's it's a little when I saw the first time I saw that, all I could think was, man, this this just does not feel good um, going through this. And it, it, I'm like you. I mean, I really root for Marshall. He seems like just an awesome guy, and um, you know, I love to watch him pitch. You know, he's a lefty and he throws four different pitches. Uh, you don't get that a lot from lefty relievers. Usually, your lefty relievers are uh, fastball slider or fastball curveball guys. But he, you know, he throws four different pitches and he throws them pretty well. So, really hope that um, he's he's back in that bullpen. Uh, and and you know, and no offense to to Manny Parra, but I am a little concerned about Manny Parra. Uh, you know, if the uh, the shine comes off of him a little bit this year too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, par probably above his head a little bit last year, and uh, although we hope not, but I don't, I don't like guys like Para. I don't mind having Manny Para in my bullpen. I don't like guys like Para and Andrusek taking up eighth inning outs when you really in, in tight games, which they've been called upon to do uh, far too often the last year or so because of the injuries. So, um, is is Gary Majeski still around? Maybe he can. <laughs> Maybe we can put him in the bullpen. Well, Bill Bray's on Twitter. <laughs> Bill Bray's, Bill Bray's still trying to come back. I think that's another yeah, guy. Yeah, he is. Um, but uh, bless his heart, another good guy who. Yeah, I always like Bray, but he could never stay healthy. Man. He could not. He was effective when healthy, but could not stay healthy. So, um, well, let, since we're sort of talking about the bullpen, Araldus Chapman. Obviously, he's going to be in the bullpen again this year, and I've stated my preference on a probably. Let's see, this is podcast number one hundred and seven, so I think on one hundred and four of these podcasts, I've talked about how much I want uh, Aroldis in the rotation. He's not going to be in the rotation, but 
Brian Price has made some rumblings that he might permit uh, Chapman to throw more innings than he has in the past. Um, do we have reason to be hopeful for that? Because it seems like the more innings we can that, – that's been my argument for putting him in the rotation. The more innings we can get that guy, the better for this team. Yeah, and I think the more interesting thing about it, um, you know, it, it's not necessarily the innings because I think the innings are going to end up being defined by how well he uh, handles those innings more than the um, the need. Uh, I think the more interesting thing is that it's going to create situations where uh, Chapman may be a threat or even be used. Um, uh, it, it can create a different emotional dynamic within a game if uh, Chapman's warming up in the middle of the eighth inning and maybe there's a guy on base and maybe you have a tough left-hander coming up there there may be a little more stress put on to the the batter at the plate than you would see in a normal situation and those little subtle things can make the difference in an inning um, you know, perhaps even in a game um, and even if you know in that situation then if Chapman comes in, then you've got a better guy, perhaps, or a better matchup to um, you know to get the out uh, than say uh, you know throwing Manny Parra out there to get that that third out in the eighth inning, which is probably the standard that Dusty would have used. So I think that if he does stick to that and uses um, you know it may only it may be irregularly that he uses him, but if he uses him occasionally in the eighth inning, uh, you know you can you can establish some sort of precedent there that will, um, you know, have, a, you know, some emotional effect at least uh, for the other team, even if Chapman doesn't come in in another instance. Yeah, if he's able to pitch and get four, five, or even six outs occasionally in these close ball games, uh, that's that's huge, Not as you said, not just in terms of what we're going to see in the statistics and in winning ball games, but in the way other teams – I guess the emotional reaction to having Chapman come in and the, the music playing and have him come in and, and it'll feel like game over uh, a little earlier. And that's a little bit sort of nebulous. That's uh, I'm starting to talk a little psycho babble, I guess, but, uh, um, but I, I think that's a real thing. And um, it'll be really interesting to see whether price permits Chapman to do that or whether this is just, we're going to, there's a lot of questions about Brian Price. Yeah. And, well, and the weird thing about that is, is that you know we talk about a lot about how oh well back in the '70s and '80s they used to do that kind of stuff, but um, even like the Nasty Boys. I mean, the Nasty Boys. It was pretty regular that Randy Myers would throw two innings or that Rob Dibble would throw two innings, and um, I think the, this fear of of using relievers for more than an inning um, is a little unfounded. I think that your best relievers should occasionally be able to handle two innings and should be able to go out there uh, at least for you know five outs or four outs from time to time uh, if the need is there. Especially like if you've had a few games, maybe you've had a couple blowout games or a couple extra inning games where Chapman's only thrown uh, maybe you know, 20 pitches in the last three or four days. He should be able to go out there and handle um, another another inning or an extra inning above and beyond that to help out the bullpen. And I think um, the mindset has gotten too simplified with the way that um, closers especially are used. And, and, you know, there's this fear that you're going to misuse them. And then you get second-guessed a lot when that happens. And so it takes some guts to kind of get out of that mindset. But I think that um, 
the the teams that are able to do that or to start moving in that direction are going to have a little bit of an advantage. Well, yes, I agree absolutely, and there's always a lot of pushback against uh, sabermetric types. But you know, this is not a this is not a sabermetric argument. It just seems. In terms of making the case, if you want to defend yourself, Brian Price, uh, for why you would do this, who do you want getting that last out or the last two outs of the eighth inning? You want Manny Parra or do you want to roll this Chapman? I mean, which pitcher puts the Reds in a better position to win? And I think it's it's clear that if Chapman is able to go five outs or six outs, you let him do it. I think it's a, just a very simple argument for who's our better pitcher, who do we want in this critical situation. Now the, I mean, obviously the issue is that you, he can't go five outs all the time. No, absolutely um, not. You know, especially if he's not conditioned to do that. Uh, but you know, there's there's going to be critical situations um, where I think it makes sense, and I hope that uh, you know that Price is able to stick to his guns and and you know push Chapman a little bit more and uh, get a little more out of him. Yeah, it's not going to be every every time out. You know, it, you know most most of his appearances likely are going to be bring him in at the beginning of the ninth inning and cue up all the music and let everybody uh, jump around and get excited. But they're going to be critical games where uh, one-run games and you got two runners on uh, with two outs in the in the eighth inning. Again, in that situation, who do you want pitching? Aroldis Chapman or, or some other guy, Manny Parr or Alfredo Simon or, or Sam LeCure. And I like all those guys. They all have, uh, are, you know, have some value to this team. But give me a Aroldis. If, he, if he's the best guy in the bullpen, that's the guy I want. So, mm-hmm. But it, that, that touches on, we talked about there's not a, whole lot, uh, not a whole lot of competitions, not a whole lot going on. But that touches on, to me, one of the interesting things that we're going to be watching starting opening day and for the first couple months is how Brian Price, because we really don't know, but how he is going to address situations like that. Uh, there was a there was a there some quotes from him this week where he, he says he's going to try to use the uh, defensive shifts a little more often than they have been used in the past. And, of course, they got uh, they signed uh, Jay Bell as their bench coach to who was with the Pirates last year. And, you know, of course, the Pirates used those, uh, that defensive positioning um, more than I think anybody other than the Red Sox, if I if I remember correctly, and so um, things like that. Watching how he's going to have a little bit different perspective on how to manage a game, I think is going to be fascinating. And I love the idea that they're going to use defensive shifts more often. I hope they do that. I love the idea that he's at least open to using Aroldis Chapman uh, in different situations. Uh, that to me is something I'm going to be watching every single game to try to get a, the flavor of Brian Price because we don't know. He said some things that make us happy, but. We don't know what's going to happen once the games actually start. And he's and I guarantee you he's going to do stuff that aggravates us though absolutely. too. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> he's he's a major league manager. You know, there I'm there are things that I'm sure that Joe Madden does that blows people away. They you know, why are you doing that? That's so stupid. And it's because they're trying to manage their players as well as the the situations of the games. Right, it's not stratomatic out there, and we have to recognize that, you know. Uh, but on the other hand, if he's open to, uh, to, I guess, deviating from the book a little bit, I'll take that. Whether he does things mm-hmm. that frustrates me, uh, that frustrate me all the time, I'll take that. If he's at least open to deviating uh, occasionally, because that's more than you get from a lot of major league managers, and it's more than we've gotten for the last few years uh, with uh, Dusty Baker. So, what else do we have to talk about, Joel? I don't have anything. <laughs> it's a it's a slow slow spring training. I'm ready for I'm ready for spring training to finish up and 
get opening day here and really start playing real games. Mm-hmm. Me too. I got my new scorebook. I'm all ready. All ready to roll. Excellent. Well, I did see something this week that I thought you would uh, appreciate if you didn't see. You, you may have. It was in a uh, piece in the Inquirer. It's a quote from Brian Price. You know, Brian Price is the Reds manager. Okay. Uh, okay. I didn't know how well informed you were about the Reds, so mm-hmm. I thought I'd... Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll accept your premise. <laughs> okay. He uh, he was quoted talking about Jay Bruce. You know Jay Bruce, too, right? He plays for the Reds. Um, okay, yeah. And He's the, very affable. Well, there there you go. Did I, did, I, did I steal your thunder? You, you <laughs> stepped right on my line. Thank you. He, quote, he was quoted in the Inquirer. Jay Bruce, not going to light someone's shoes on fire or come screaming through the clubhouse, but he's a very affable, engaging guy. He enjoys his position on the club. There you go. Brian Price is reading your tweets. <laughs> he is. He is. <laughs> and and um, I don't know if there's a more perfect word to describe somebody like Jay Bruce than affable. So I'm so happy that it's been attached to him. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, you know, I think about Jay Bruce um, – a, a, a couple of years ago, three years ago, I think we took my son. Uh, now, listen, my son is—he uh, plays baseball. He's a nine-year-old right now, and that's where we were all weekend at a, at a baseball tournament with him. And he's number four. He plays second base. You can guess who his favorite player is on the Reds. Manny Parra. Manny Parra, close. <laughs> number two, Alfredo Simon actually is his favorite player. But because uh, he didn't want to explain to anyone who Ma- Alfredo Simon was, he chose number four because he, he loves BP as as many fans do especially young fans loves BP well about three years ago we went to uh we took him to uh Jay Bruce holds his camp every year a baseball camp mm-hmm. two-day two camp um and, you know I thought going in it's something where he's gonna you know he has his name on it and he'll show up and, and maybe uh, talk to the kids as a group one day well we took uh my son and, and Bruce not only showed up, he brought several Reds with him. Michael Leak was there. Uh, Scott Rowland was there at that time. Uh, Drew, the dearly departed Drew Stubbs, was there. And uh, on the last day, they played a, a tournament, I guess. On their little, they had their team split out, and and the major league guys would go around and pitch in those games. Well, Bruce was pitching in in the game my son was playing in, and my son made a, a play at first base and flipped the ball to Bruce, who was covering first. And Jay Bruce took him aside and. Uh, just told him great play, you know, just very affable, frankly. And I'm, I'm telling you, uh, you cannot say anything bad about Jay Bruce around my son. He made a lifelong fan that day. So, uh, whenever I hear him described as affable, and uh, I say, listen, you don't know the half of it. If you had any contact with the guy, uh, you know, he he took time with these kids at that at his camp. And I wish we'd had a chance to go back uh, since. But this guy, you know, I, I don't have anything bad to say about him. He last year and got a ton of abuse and it just it hurt me uh uh on a personal level because i think he is he's uh he's really a really a solid guy um so there's my there's my jay bruce story that uh, i'll always be uh i'll always be a jay bruce fan because he was nice to my son i guess jay bruce is my life coach <laughs> there you go <laughs> jay bruce um hey jay bruce listen this is a guy we keep waiting for it to happen but i'm certain this is going to be the year He's really going to take a big, huge step forward. I mean, he's been good. He's been very good. And I'm very happy with the production we've got out of Jay Bruce over his career so far. Am I way off base and expecting a a breakthrough year even for uh, for a guy that's produced as well as he has? Um, I don't know. I mean, probably. 
this is the first year that I'm going to say not going to say that that that's going to happen. Uh, it might, I suppose, but I'm just you know I'm I'm satisfied with the level that he's reached. Uh, I I would love for him to be better, but I'm not. Um, I, I don't I don't have this feeling anymore like he needs to go one level higher. So Well, I, I don't either. And I'm I'm very happy with the player he is. He is who he is and which he's a very good player. He's an mm-hmm. all star. Um I don't know. I just keep maybe hoping. I, I mean, I think one of these years he's going to have a crazy BABIP year. He's going to have some, you know, he's going to have like a 340 BABIP all year, which is going to make his numbers look ridiculous. He's going to, you know, you know, he'll end up batting, you know, 290, 300 that year. And he's going to, that year is going to be the year that looks like, oh my God, he's finally put it all together. Um, but, you know, because everybody, every player that plays long enough ends up having a season uh, that's somewhat like that. And so that might be this year, you know. And if it does, then there you go. You're making up for some of your, like I said, you just need little improvements here and there. Um, and then if, you know, Jay Bruce ends up uh, becoming Joey Votto for a year or, or Joey Votto light for a year, uh, then, then look out. Right. All of a sudden you've got a 100-win team. So. <laughs> you, you and this hundred win team. I don't see. I don't see a hundred win team here, but I could see uh, something like that leading to like a ninety five win team. Oh maybe. come on! You're you're pessimistic. Quit. <laughs> you're the, you're exactly the reason why Brandon Phillips and Ryan Ludwig are complaining. I know. I'm, I know. Somebody's going to write me a sternly worded letter. I'm sure. I'm predicting here and now one hundred wins. Um, <laughs> How many games are you playing before they get there? <laughs> Listen, it doesn't matter what I say. Nobody's listening to us. Um, Joel, uh, th- this was fun. I really appreciate uh, you taking some some more time to listen to me ramble and uh, giving me a chance to listen to you uh, listen to you analyze the Reds. We're going to do it again uh, at least every other week and hopefully more often uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, well, you know what would make us do it more often? If people bought the Red Leg Annual at redlegannual.com, redlegannual, redlegannual.com, some of the best <laughs> writing on the internet about the Reds. It's a nice little ebook. $3 is all we're asking for for it. $3, you can spare that, and it'll get you through the next three weeks until opening day. And once again, I had that written down to talk about at the beginning of the podcast. And you know, this is why I don't take notes. Oh gosh! <laughs> well, yeah, I take them, but then I ignore them clearly. Um, uh, really, dot com. Go purchase this ebook. It's it, the best money. It's three lousy dollars. First of all, okay, you can spare three dollars, and, and for it, let me. I guarantee that you will. Uh, at, after you've read through the entire. Red Leg Annual, you'll agree in, in terms of the work that went into it and the quality of writing and the uh, analysis of the upcoming season for the Reds, worth every penny and more. Um, you will have learned at least $3 worth of stuff. Yeah, and, and that's, that's really not guaranteeing very much that you, that you will have earned $3 worth of entertainment and analysis. Uh, but it is. It's really good, Joel, and you did a great job on that this year. And uh, uh, once again, I'm uh, – I, I, the final product's fantastic, and the the point that I keep making to people is there's nothing else like it out there. If you're a, a, a hardcore Reds fan, and if you're listening to this podcast, you've got to be, especially after all this time, uh, uh, as long as we've been talking tonight, if you're still listening, you've got to be a hardcore Reds fan. I, there's no excuse for any hardcore Reds fan not to pick this up because it's uh, nothing else like it out there. So, um, 
pretty soon we're going to be getting around to spring training and things to talk about. But uh, in the meantime, we'll keep uh, trying to pick and prod and, and find things to discuss. Uh, if it, if nothing else, the Reds, there's always something something to pick at. Uh, this has always been a fascinating organization. So, <clears throat> anything else we I, talk about? I Joe? like them. I like them. Do you? They're my favorite team. Hmm. Well, there you go. Well, you're qualified uh, to to be on the podcast, if nothing else. Um, <laughs> and and I'm willing to, to step out on a limb here and and say it as well. They're my favorite team too. Um, I own one of their hats. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Uh, if nothing else, this is the that's going to have to be the tagline on our podcast. Two guys who like the Reds and own one of their hats. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for those two guys, me uh, Chad Dotson, uh, for Joel Luckup. Follow us on uh, Twitter. Joel is at J-L-U-C-K-H-A-U-P-T. I'm going to mess that up every week. Um, I'm at Dotson C. Our other uh, our other host here at Red Leg Nation Radio, Bill Lack. Uh, not with us today, but follow him at, at Bill Red Leg N. Follow Red Leg Nation at Red Leg Nation uh, on Twitter, where we got talking about the Reds on there. Check us out at RedLegNation.com. And uh, Joel, once again... Thank you. Look forward to talking to you again very soon. It's been fun. All right. For those of you that downloaded this, go subscribe via iTunes. Um, You won't regret it because outside of the Red Leg Annual, this is the best product you're going to find related to the Reds. Uh, Well, on that obvious lie, I'm going to end up here. For Joel Luckup, this is Chad Dotson saying so long. LensCrafters, we value expertly tailored eye care, provide state-of-the-art eye exams, offer a wide assortment of designer brands and high-quality lenses, because everything we do at LensCrafters is for every site that makes your life special. We offer 50% off lenses with frame purchase. Shop in-store and online. Book your annual eye exam now on LensCrafters.com. LensCrafters, because sight. Eye exams are available at the Independent Doctor of Optometry at or next to LensCrafters. Doctors in some states are employed by LensCrafters. Offer valid to April 2nd, 2023. See associate for details.